Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, July the 5th in 2021 on When Our Eyes. Currently we're in year B and we're starting proper week 10, which is the seventh Sunday after Pentecost Sunday. And on Mondays of the week, we'd like to take a look at the Old Testament text. And so we, if you're, in case you're keeping count, we are back into the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, continuing to trace episode after episode of David's life. And so we're back here with a strange and unusual story one that we'll have to take a little bit of time to unpack. We're only going to read verses uh, 1 through 5 of chapter 6, and then it's going to skip ahead to 12b through 19. They do leave out some interesting details in between there, so I will add, live that, and paraphrase that in order for us to catch the whole story. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, then we'll spend our time praying along its theme. Thanks for making us part of your morning on when I rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and be got together in a time of prayer. Second Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and then 12b through 19. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bela in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord God Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Yuza and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castnets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Yuza reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. And then going ahead to verses 12. And following. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in a place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread a cake of dates and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. This is the word of God for us. If you were to go to AutoZone Park in Memphis where the Memphis Redbirds play, if you were to go to the right field area where like the foul pole is, there's a berm grass area where kids get to like roll down the hill and kids play catch. But there's like one lone baseball stadium seat there. And the reason that they left it there is this interesting story. So there used to be seats all in that section. And so when they tore it out and they redid the stadium, they left that one seat because as the story goes, deep into a playoff series, uh, the game was close, and uh, Albert Pujols, when he was playing in minor league baseball before he made it to the majors, 
hit a home run that curved around the flagpole and it landed in that seat. And so forever and ever they wanted to enshrine that moment in Memphis Redbirds history. It was sacred, and so they wanted to make sure that the sacredness of it was was always animated and it was um, always highlighted, even in their ballpark configuration. And so you'll see kids sit down there, and uh, they don't know the story, but they kind of get a good seat when they watch the baseball game. That's what we do. We tend to, like, whenever there's a holy moment of sorts, whenever there's like a, I don't know, the Hebrew, they call it the ha-halam, like the eternal that happens, we tend to try to, like, put a case around it or like a glass or we like to try to tell a story so that like the the sacredness of it the glow of it doesn't fade and so that we can return to that site and to that story again and again and we can try to retrieve the memory of what happens there and that's what happens um, in all civilizations primitive and modern and that's what's going on with the Israelite people they um, have this thing called the Ark of the Covenant it's a box with cherubim fixed on top of it and uh, some places in scripture say that the two stones uh, from the Ten Commandments uh, from Moses are placed inside. And so there's just a sense that whenever you're around the box, that there's something sacred that happens. And so right before this, or several scenes before this, Saul tried to take the Ark of the Covenant out into um, battle in order to kind of have good luck and uh, the enemies were able to retrieve it. They put it in the temple of their God, but things began to happen and mishaps. So they like, the, the, the Philistines, the people who took it, they like took it to just over the border into Judah and they kind of left it there. So it's just been kind of sitting there. And so one of David's first initiatives is to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. If you notice like the way he tried to do it is like he tried to get like the pragmatic way, right? Like you get a cart and you get some oxen and you put it on there and uh, you know, they'll bring it back to uh, a sacred place as quickly as possible. But because of the uneven terrain there, like whenever they're trying to pull it, uh, the cart begins to jostle. And one of these men that uh, David assigned to help move the ark, he touched it and he died. And so the ark is just left there. So in between the verses that we read, the passages, there's this neat little scene where like, David is afraid because he doesn't want anything to happen to anyone else or to him with this ark. So they just kind of ditch it in Obed-Edom's house. And uh, I don't know what he did. He's like, oh, let's use that as a coffee table or something like that. So it's like in the middle of his, uh, of his house. And while it's there for three months, the Lord blesses him. And so David gets like this, I don't know, probably this jealousy of, well, it, it needs to be where I am if God's going to bless people who honor it. And so here David gets... Uh, some people again and they carry it the right way like they, they put it on poles and they do that tedious walk with it they sacrifice animals and as it comes into Jerusalem David and all the people with him began to rejoice and it turns into a large festival where David feeds everyone because it was symbolic of the presence of God coming among, the, among them and so what do you do you you sacrifice you give grateful offerings thank offerings to God and you celebrate God's goodness towards you. And so here you have this interesting picture where David, like maybe out of expediency, didn't uh, didn't understand the sacredness of this object. And um, because of that, his posture towards God maybe wasn't so pure and so mishap happens. And then he has this three-month hiatus where he's like, he rethinks it all. And uh, they do the diligent work of carrying it with poles very carefully through the uneven terrain all the way to the place where it'd be safe and secure. And I think sometimes our religion is like that. Sometimes we try to carry it with convenience, right? We try to uh, offer the prayers when we need stuff. Uh, we go to church uh, when we're asked to or the holy days. And um, 
we don't really apply our faith directly unless uh, maybe there's something on the line or somebody's watching or there's an expectation in our lives. Uh, when really, like, what, what this is all about is uh, that very slow, careful, methodical, and sometimes tedious work of walking out our faith before God. And of course, it would have been easier for the cart and oxen to bring the ark in. Of course, it's a whole lot easier than putting this thing on poles and taking step by step by step by step. But there's something about the process that honor God. And so I think it's important for us uh, to find a daily ritual where we attend to God's presence in our lives. And as we do so, we're going to look back in hindsight and say, wow, like, look where how far I've come because all of this time where I was diligent and I was intentional about uh, doing the things even in the, the hidden and the secret place, not just when uh, people are watching me. And so that's going to be my prayer and admonition for us is that we say, okay, how in my life am I trying to carry my religion on a cart and it's wobbly and it's just not so effective? And then how can I make some changes in order to carry it the correct way over in a, a very uh, careful way into the place where it means more to me and the sacredness of it begins to, to bellow out and glow once more. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're a generous and just God. Uh, you bring us into your presence and you allow our souls to be delighted in the beauty of your holiness and i thank you that uh, when we attend to you through prayer through service through study uh, that we find more of who you are because uh, you are infinite and there's more and more that we can retrieve uh, from you into our lives and so god i thank you that you continue to give and give and pour out and pour out and pour out I thank you for the gift of today, the air that's in our lungs, uh, the work that we get to do, the people that we get to share it with. And so God, today, we've got, I guess we've got a couple choices. We could um, kind of carry our religion um, in a way in which it's expedient or maybe where it works for us. And then we can kind of carry our religion in such a way where it changes us and it reforms us. And so God, I pray that you might find uh, a pliable heart within all of us, a lowly heart and a lowly spirit, a teachable spirit that would embrace you, embrace your ways, and would take upon the yoke of the teaching of Christ. And so God, uh, today may we do the stuff uh, diligently in the secret place when no one's watching and we can't get credit for it. I pray that it would still matter so much to us and we just know that it matters to you. So God, as we pray and as we think and meditate and serve, I pray that you draw near to us so that we can be aware of how we're in the audience of our holy God who delights in us. So God, we pray that you delight in us once more and allow your love to pour into our hearts so they can pour out into the hearts of other people around us. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.